Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hello, this is Jack Martin. I'm, I serve as the uh, virtual CMO for InsureMark. I want to welcome you to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. This is where we help advisors like yourselves take your practice to the next level. Uh, and we learn how to do that by reaching out to some of the industry's great thought leaders. Uh, today, we've got Julie Littlechild, who a lot of you uh, have probably read or followed uh, over career. She's, she's been quite a leader. Julie, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Jack. It's really great to be here. Appreciate it. Yep. Um, so how are things in Toronto? Things are good. You know, we're heading into fall. Time to get life back to a bit of normalcy. I always look forward to that. <laughs> good, good. So um, I want to talk about what's cooking, you know, in the laboratory in Toronto in a minute. But for starters, um, your firm's name is Absolute Engagement, and you've been committed to talking about client uh, experience and engagement throughout most of your career. So um, help our listeners understand, you know, as a level set, what's engagement? Is that a noun? Is it a verb? Is it both? What, what's in, Tell me what engagement means in the context of a financial advisor. Yeah. Well, I love that question because it's become very apparent to me that nobody has the same definition of what engagement is. And, you know, to some extent you could say, well, as long as you're trying to do better, that's not a big deal, but we're, we're all about evidence and where we should focus our time and energy. So we've actually always had a very specific definition of engagement because we use it in the research and it's clients who are very satisfied. So they're a five out of five on with the relationship, but they also say they've provided a referral in the last 12 months. So it's a very simple definition, but what it tells us is, is that it's a, a qualitatively different relationship. They feel great about it. You're doing great work, but, and then they're advocating on your behalf. So we want to understand more about who those clients are, but that's just the measurement but you're absolutely right. The the bigger part of engagement is how do you get there, right? So what are the drivers? And that that becomes the, the verb part of it. How do I engage? So we've spent a lot of time in our research really trying to tease apart what the impact of that is and happy to talk about that and then what some of the drivers are as well. So... I, I come from a, a data-driven marketing perspective, and one mm -hmm. of the things we look for is to engage new people. Okay, yep. so that's kind of top of the funnel stuff, right? Yep. And an advisor uh, might imagine that you know, if if I bring on a new client, if I create a new relationship, then that person is engaged with me. Okay, but what I hear you saying is that's qualitatively different than what you're calling engagement. It is, and that's you know the challenge with this word is it can legitimately be used in so many different ways, right? So you're absolutely right. Someone is engaged with you because they've started working with you. We use it as a metric. So in the same way you might say a client is satisfied, a client perceives value. Some people use net promoter score. You know, there's there's just it's a measure of the depth and the quality of the relationship. And so that's where we start uh, with engagement. And one of the big differentiators that we've been trying to really focus on is that there's a big difference between someone who's satisfied and someone who's engaged, right? We we tend to be 
satisfied with satisfaction, right? In this industry, we, we tend to say, well, my clients aren't leaving. That's good. And they tell me they're satisfied with the relationship and that's lovely, but it's table stakes, right? So, so we've just always been trying to understand what's the difference when someone says they're satisfied and when they're, they're that engaged definition, as in there are five out of five and they've provided referrals, what can we learn about the quality or the, the type of relationship that they've got in place? So what I hear you saying is that the, there's an active component for the client to demonstrate engagement, and that is that they are referring to you. So are there other manifestations of getting to that? Is it as simple as... They're five out of five and they are giving referrals. I mean, are there other things that are manifest out of that? Well, yeah. So I think the mo- the more important part of this is that that next level down where we're saying, okay, look, that's just a metric. That's just saying you've got a group of clients. I would guess somewhere in the 30 to 35% range who are engaged by that definition. Then what we say is, okay, well, does it matter? Like, should we care about this, right? And I think we should. So what we can see is that when clients are in that category, they have higher share of wallet, they have a lower flight risk, they tend not to worry about things like the markets as much, (laughs) they focus more on the quality of advice, and they also feel more... um, they're they're more likely to feel a higher sense of value relative to the fees that they pay. They're more likely to feel confident. There's all of these outcomes. So we say, okay, well, we've got a definition. We've got outcomes that we can ascribe to that definition. So it seems like a goal worth pursuing. But then the real question, which I think is sort of where you're going, is what do we do to drive that? Like what are what is what's actually happening? And when we start to drive down to that level, we found a series of uh, characteristics of the relationship that are really strongly correlated with engagement. So think of these as like the levers that you can pull, the things you should focus your time and attention on to drive engagement. And they really have a lot to do with the relationship, right? Much more so than the products or the services or even the service, as in how often maybe you connect with clients and that sort of thing. So I put them into a few categories. One is um, broadening the scope of the relationship. So what we've seen is that when clients are engaged, they're more likely to say they have a strong personal relationship with their advisor. And they're more likely to say that the advisor provides support beyond just insurance or you know portfolio or plan depending on the nature of the relationship. So that's that's kind of one thing. It's it's deeper if you will than the the technical work that's being done. The other area is just the extent to which the advisor's incredibly client focused. So th- these clients will say my advisor understands my financial goals, my advisor understands my life goals. My advisor takes the time to understand how I've been impacted by the uncertainties of the last few years proactively. My advisor takes the time to understand if anything has changed in my life and reflects that in the business. So that's it's almost like a separate category. And then the final category is around reviews. And so when engaged clients are much more likely to say, I'm deeply engaged in the review. And my partner or spouse is similarly 
deeply engaged in that review meeting. So they're getting something out of it more than just what's happened over the last year. So, you know, that's what we tend to focus on because those are the things that I think suggest, okay, there's some things that maybe we need to look at and maybe we need to do a little differently if we want to drive deeper engagement. So you said a lot. In, in I know. That <laughs> it's great. I, I, let, let's unpack that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I think at the top, what you said was there's a metric that says they've given you a referral, but the, also there's an ROI component yep. uh, that says you're getting referrals. So that would be indicative of an engaged client. And you mm-hmm. said that there's a larger share of wallet. And we all mm-hmm. know that, that clients have what, three to seven different financial institutions holding some of their assets. And so mm-hmm. you're getting more of that money, right? Yes. And then there's, you know, less chance that they're going to bail on you during tough times and yep. they're not going to be a- as obsessed with watching markets fluctuate. Yep. So those are all components of an ROI for this yep. process. Is that what you're mm-hmm. saying? That's exactly right. For the, Yeah. There's the ROI for the business and then there's the benefit to the client, right? Which I wouldn't put in an ROI category, but you know you could. <clears throat> that is to say, clients tend to feel more confident about their financial future when they are engaged. They tend to say, "My advisor provides great value relative to fees." So that's a it's a different. I think I put it in the ROI bucket, but it's different. Gotcha. So, and then the descriptors of uh, from the clients that I, that I heard you say were mm-hmm. that the advisor understands me, he gets me better yep. at a lot of different levels, not just yep. my balance sheet, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so, uh, let, let let's pause there for a second. So, mm-hmm. help me understand how advisor, how you think advisors should attack that. I mean, yeah. what what are some best practices, you know, to demonstrate that or to be engaged? I mean. I like to think I'm a, I'm a caring person and I, I, and I, you know, I have clients that have been my clients since 1994. I I still manage assets, uh, you know, and so I I think I have a, I know I do because I'm now in the second and third generation of managing family funds. Doing something right. Yeah, I'm doing something right. So um, help me understand, help our listeners understand what, how they get to that level. Yeah. Well, and so you're you're describing something that I think is really important, first of all, that we're talking to an audience of people who really do great work in terms of building connection, right? This, I think that's in your DNA. It's why you probably get into this industry in the first place. So I would never say, hey, you just need to connect more deeply with your clients. It's not, you know, you're doing that. But what we're trying to focus on is are there processes and tactics and tools that you can use to support that process, to make it more efficient, to ensure that you're delivering that connection across a larger range of clients? So for example, where the opportunities I think show up is, is, is in how, how you can demonstrate leadership with your clients. So you know, let's take two examples. That can happen in the communications that you share with clients. So let's take an advisory firm who's got a great business and quarterly they're sending, you know, a market update or they're sending a newsletter or they're saying, you know, they're just sending some content that probably everybody thinks is pretty good. Nobody sends it back, right? (laughs) They think that's interesting. Well, I think what to lean into this idea of engagement, I think we need to get 
increasingly hyper-personalized in the kinds of content we share. We need to share content that is a direct reflection of what clients are feeling, what their concerns are, and what their interests are. So when we think about the tactics and the process behind that, because that's not easy to do, right? like it's like that would be overwhelming if you think about trying to do that with large numbers of clients. Something as simple as saying, I'm going to have a process to invite input from my clients, to ask them about their interests in specific topics, and I would say financial and non-financial, and that's going to trigger a communication that reflects what they just told me. I say I'm interested in managing personal stress. I get an article from my advisor that says, hey, you mentioned you were interested in managing personal stress. I found this great article. So that's kind of, I think, where what the future is holding for us, that we can use tools to just almost pour fuel on this natural ability to connect by ensuring that the same, that our communications are also connecting deeply. So that's kind of one example of what I would see in this category. So some of our some of our listeners have the luxury of working with a small number of clients, but I think mm-hmm. most of them are dealing with a hundred or two hundred, yeah. you know, in that number, right? Yeah. So uh, what are what are you seeing advisors do in order to scale what you mm-hmm. just described? Well, there's there's different tools available certainly to to help us do that. So, The work that we do, for example, is all about how do I identify those interests in the first place, right? So you could go to all clients and invite input in one fell swoop on what their core interests are. So I I wanna focus on my health, I wanna focus on stress, I wanna focus on my business, whatever those things are. Again, they don't all have to be non-financial, but many do. So now you have a list of clients who told you they're interested in something we can add that to the CRM. You can, you know, add it to a HubSpot or a Mailchimp or a, you know, whatever kind of tools that you might use. And now you can provide segmented communications based on interests in a much more efficient way. So, so I mean, I think like you're hitting at a, a reality here, which not everybody is thrilled about, and that is that. In order to do this, we do have to think about the future. We do have to start using tools a little differently. It's really our only way forward. Otherwise, we're just reliant on old systems to make this happen, and, and it won't. Gotcha. So is there is there still a place um, for... Okay, so I, I get the... Ask them a question. They tell you they're concerned or interested mm-hmm. in X, and you reply with an article about X. Okay, right. is there also in in the in, in the in the client experience there also is a place for more broader communication, right? So if there are th- mar- themes in the market, yeah. if there are themes about retirement or whatever that are a little bit more broadly based, then that fits. But what you're saying is supplement that, enhance that to get to that deeper relationship level, right? Yeah, and I think you could almost look at it in three phases, which have increasing complexity. <laughs> One is what you've described. There are themes that I think are going to be broadly of interest to anyone who's a client. So that is a mass communication, uh, market updates, right? <laughs> like we've all been wondering what's going on. The next level would be a segmented approach. 
So now maybe what you're doing is segmenting clients based on age or life stage. You're still making some assumptions, but you could say, well, I'm going to send content related to defining a vision for your retirement to my segment who is this age and up. They didn't tell me they were interested in, but it's a reasonable assumption at that point. And then the next level, which I'm really describing, is we can get to a point where it's much more personalized. Mary told me she was interested in this, and therefore we're triggering a communication to Mary about that topic. So, you know, we have this path which fits for everyone at some level. I would just say that the future, like if we're talking five years from now, I think we'll be going, oh yeah, well, personalization was the dominant theme in all of this. Oh, sure. Yeah. And there are tools available. I mean, so we're using AI and ML and, you know, large content libraries to create a hyper-personalized experience in a different world, but that's not technology that's easily accessible to financial advisors today. (laughs) So um, that's a little bit different story. So I think you said that part of this, uh, part of the key to enhancing the relationship comes to the reviews. So is it in the reviews where you really can demonstrate that? Uh, that personalization? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Is that what you're finding? I'm sorry. That's what we're finding. And that is, I would say, where we've been doing most of our thinking over the last period of time, because what was becoming quite apparent is, you know, advisors to their credit, again, having understanding clients at a deep level, you know, maybe taking the step of having a defined agenda, which is great, you know, maybe sending that out to their clients in advance and saying, is there anything else you'd like to add better still, right? So we've made some progress in terms of um, making sure we're focusing on what's on the minds of clients. But what we what started to become very apparent to me now, let me back up a little. Look, our world has always been about conducting these big point in time surveys for advisory firms. So that becomes important because I just want to talk about a transition here. So often on those surveys, we would ask people how they were feeling. We have a client self-confidence index, for example, that we measure. We would be asking them, you know, what their concerns are. And that's lovely. The problem is, if you did something like that, a week later, that data might be old. Because how I feel right this minute may be very different when I'm about to walk into your office and meet with you. So if you were reliant on that data, it wouldn't work, right? So so we began to really evaluate. So we knew that reviews were important. We knew that spousal engagement, as everybody does, is important. And we knew that it wasn't happening maybe at the level that it could. And so what's been really fascinating, and we've been watching this in action, is the idea of inviting input from clients about how they're feeling and what they're concerned about, and gathering that input separately from spouses as they're booking their review meeting. (laughs) So literally what you're doing is you're co-creating the agenda based on what's important. Now, what what we've been trying to do is get, there. there's some limitations. Let's say, like, it would be very common. I don't know if this is something in your business where you'd say, like, is there anything, before we start, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, right? We all do that. Yeah. And, and sometimes it'll be very specific. Yeah, I've been wondering about X. And sometimes it's just, I don't know, like, whatever you think we should talk about, let's talk about. But that's the human problem. Like, in that moment, we 
I don't know how to define what we should be talking about. But if you ask me a series of questions about how I'm feeling, do I, am I feeling in control? Do I feel confident about my goals? Am I concerned about my kid making good financial decisions? I can answer those questions quite easily. And you can use that to actually co-create the agenda. So it's almost like you're helping clients define what those issues are. And if you can do that before you meet, give people time to respond, give spouses time to actually discuss these things, all of a sudden, what was a good review meeting before becomes incredibly powerful now. And I think that's where we're going to start to see some of the, the change going forward. Yeah, the challenge, you know, at, at least in the, with the families I've dealt with is it is in that moment. So yeah. you're you're asking a question, you're trying to get a 360 degree view yeah. of what's going on in their lives. And mm -hmm. that's shaped by the circumstance of their drive from home to get to your office, right? Yeah. You know, snow, rain, right. traffic, yeah. uh, you know, stock market report, you know, pandemic that 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 shapes the answers that you get. Yes. So I love what you're saying about soliciting that in a formal way before they get in the car to come to see you so mm -hmm. that they can think about it and talk about it. I also love what you were saying about um, stimulating that conversation. So, you know, and, and, and kind of guiding them in the way you think about it. Again, it's one thing to do that in the moment. And certainly that's what we do when we're asking them those questions about their aspects of their life and how they feel and so on. But it's another thing to give them time to reflect on that. So I love that yeah. idea. Yeah, because that. it's like you could do that so skillfully, but I might not be able to respond. That That's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> right? It, and so it's well, almost like the tool is to help your client help you help them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you can't do... You, if you're going to ask them there in your office a question, it's that answer is is going to be more tightly defined than if they have the weekend to think about it. Absolutely, yeah, ab absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. That, that's fine. So, so I, I see how that shapes reviews. So let's back up the a couple steps in the journey. So, how does this process impact how I find clients, or does it? It can. So, well, let me clarify that. The, certainly the focus of our work is more on how once, once you're meeting with a prospective client, for example, you set yourself apart. So um, we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about, well, I'm, see, I'm thinking of another idea here. Let me take that down two paths. One thing that I think if you take what we just talked about and apply it to prospects, so imagine now you're meeting with a prospective client and you've invited input on what is fundamentally most important to them as a couple, and you've invited that separately, and you can use that to drive your conversation. So I think there's a, you know, you are going to have a different conversation than they are having with any other advisor at that point. So I think there is a connection to, uh, to growth in that way. There's also, though, and, and we have seen this uh, over many years, a, a strong connection to growth through referrals. So that's that's really where the connection comes in. So imagine, for example, you are in conducting a broad-based survey. Let's take it away from the client review option at the moment. And in that, you're asking clients if they've referred over the course of the last 12 months. 
what we're finding is 35, 40% of clients are saying yes, and that advisors are meeting about 10% of those. They're just, they're not being referred well, effectively. And so we can go a little deeper. If we can ask clients if they've referred, and then if you also asked them if they did refer, what were the circumstances? If they didn't refer, why was that the case? All of a sudden, you have all of this fodder to have very comfortable, very respectful, very easy conversations about referrals with clients. So if you had said you referred, you were my client and I hadn't met anyone, and I said, Jack, thanks so much for taking the time to to complete this survey. I noticed that you referred, but we didn't actually meet anyone. I was just wondering if you could tell me more about the circumstances and how, how you think we could help. All of a sudden you're saying, gosh, I can't believe like Bob didn't reach out to you because I thought you guys should meet and let, you know, so there are these simple ways we can use input from clients to drive very targeted referral conversations. <laughs> so, so in a sense, you're holding the client accountable for you not getting the referral. Is that what you're saying? Well, it, well actually, <laughs> but the, the thing is, I, all of that strategy comes back to understanding why people referred in the first place, right? Which we know from our research is all about helping their friend. It's only tangentially to help you grow your business. That's not their fundamental motivator. So if that's true, all you're really doing is making sure that you're the, they know you're there to help and it's a very specific conversation and they're going to be motivated to help their friend, not you in that moment, right? So that's where I think it becomes more comfortable. Gotcha. What's on the minds of, the, of folks today? What's on the minds of clients? I mean, you see the data, right? It flows right. up. And so you've got the ability, you know, on an anonymized basis to look at what's going on now yeah. in real time, as opposed to a snapshot, right? So what's percolating out there in the minds of people? And I think a lot of our listeners are focused on, you know, the retirement space, right? Yep. Uh, on that 4 million people who are going to retire in the next year. And, you know, that chunk of people who've retired in the last few years. Yeah. So what's on their minds? So... I love the idea of thinking about what's on their minds, first of all, because I think often as an industry, we tend to focus more on the basics, like how often do they want to meet and do they want Zoom or in person? All of that's important. I mean, we need to understand that in order to deliver a good experience. But we go out every year and we talk to investors across the country and we've been doing this every year. So over the last few years, as you can imagine, it's been really compelling and really important for us to understand how people are feeling and how that has changed from 2020 to 21 to 22. And, you know, you mentioned the pre-retiree market, and to me, that is the area of most interest right now. Um, so just to give you some perspective from what we saw in the data, if we honed in on the Depends how you define pre-retiree, but you know, I'm going to look at the what we call the juggle generation. It's the 45 to 54 year olds, right? Their satisfaction is substantially lower with their advisor. Their net promoter score is substantially lower. Their loyalty is substantially low. You can actually see a difference. And when you dig into that and try to understand why, that's where mindset comes in because they're also much less confident about their financial futures. They tend to say they're concerned about a much wider range of things. 
but it makes sense, right? They're completely stuck in the middle. I get it. I'm there, right? Like you're between kids who aren't yet fully functional and work, which is very fully functional. And you're thinking about retirement. And so, you know, I think we've got to pause a little, especially with this group and really peel back the onion to understand what they're experiencing right now, because I think advisors can be such a powerful guide for them in thinking about these issues. So I'd say that's one thing. The other thing, and you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know here, but we can see from the data is that the vision for retirement is shifting so substantially right now, right? We've got, and this, we're, this I think this is only going to increase because we see it with younger clients. You know, this idea of I work full time and then that's it. I get the gold watch and I'm gone, right? You know this, but we're it's so true. And so we're seeing people struggling with, defining what that's going to look like and their vision is we're seeing it a little even more with men than women um and and so to me this is the most remarkable opportunity <laughs> for advisors to add value because if you can navigate that with them if you can be a guide with them through that gosh there's no greater gift that's powerful what you're saying because you know we we have these broader impressions of you know what they're thinking about like you know how am i going to replace my paycheck and yeah. you know how do i transition what do i do about social security and healthcare and we're we're super concerned with those financial issues yeah. and what you're saying is that there's a whole layer of new emotional issues that are on these folks minds yeah. new stressors as well right new stressors new and a new vision i think I, I do think there's been a fundamental shift as to what retirement can look like right and and that that's increasing this idea that work is now optional this idea that i maybe i work less maybe i work on my own terms maybe i do charitable work but it's a different view right yes. of, I, i'm not getting the lawn chair out at that point just sitting in it right so exactly so you know that i think that's changing but you're right it's it's you know we we saw some who are worried about you know even within relationships what's this going to be like when <laughs> like when we're home, right? These are real issues that if we're not addressing them or at least acknowledging them, I think we're doing our clients a disservice. So I guess if I'm, uh, if I were starting a practice or wanted to grow a practice, what I'd be thinking about is how do I take those themes mm -hmm. and now start to elicit um, where these the these prospects I'm I'm targeting um, land on some spectrum yeah. around those issues, right? Yeah, I mean, this to me is, you know, if if you're looking for an advisor, and you know, wherever I am on social, on Google, talking to friends, if I see one that tells me about their designations and the range of services they provide, and a, you know, that's interesting, and if I see one that says this is what you might be feeling right now. <laughs> I'm there, right? So I think understanding this mindset, I think, you know, advisors do understand, like you hear this all the time, right? Again, I'm not telling you anything new, but then the challenge and the opportunity becomes then how do I translate that into 
outreach that will attract more clients to the business. But in my view, the idea that I can look at a business, look at the website, look at the social, look at whatever you send me, if it says, I hear you and I understand your needs, you've got me, right? It's all we want. (laughs) 100%. 100%. And uh, that's a battle we fight every day with financial <laughs> advisors. <laughs> you know, know, seriously, stop telling them what they can Google. Uh, yes. You know, start yes. connecting with them as people. So, as as we're wrapping up, tell me a little bit about, uh, or tell our listeners a little bit about, uh, you know, how what things uh, you know Julie's firm can do for them. Yeah, for sure. So our focus is, in addition to doing this research and and trying to study client experience and client engagement, our focus is on helping advisors gather the input from their clients that they need to inform the experience. So that takes the form sometimes of a a survey that is done and and driving results right down to client level to inform one-on-one conversations uh, but the bigger shift for us at the moment is is through our absolute engagement engine. And that really is about real-time input, just like we were just talking about. Like we say these things as if it's easy. Gather input before a meeting, compare, you know. So we've actually built the infrastructure to support that because we've we just believe it's so important. So the the engine is all about real-time ongoing input at the right time with your clients. So what does that mean? I, 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 as a financial advisor, sign up with absolute engagement. Mm -hmm. And so then I've got this, um, you're going to help me shape my experience around your data uh, gathering tool set is, and is. Yeah, we're, we're focused really on that process. So if you were, for example, making full use of, of the entire engine, what that would mean is we are crafting a poll that you would invite a prospect to complete as your meeting. That would be that would gather data separately from the client and in, or prospective client and his or her spouse. It would pull that together into a single meeting agenda that you can share with the client and use in the meeting. So that would be one stage. So it's it's the infrastructure behind all of that to gather, ask the right questions, bring that together into reports, and then provide you with meeting notes to have a deeper conversation. Similarly, a new client, you can trigger polls 30 days after they've started with you to invite input to identify early warning issues. As a client, you can invite input prior to a review meeting from spouses or individuals and, and go through that process. So everything that we're doing is really about tailoring the questions you want to ask at which stage of the journey and then providing an automated and easy way to do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's great. Hey, one one final question. Yeah. So what what are a couple things that our, our listeners would be surprised to learn Julie does when she's not at the office grinding data. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, so I'm Canadian, eh? a, you know, that's uh, <laughs> it's the first thing most people don't know about me. The, I, I always joke that I'm the oldest mother of a young child because I have a 12 year old and I have no right to at my age. But so my life is entirely filled with trying to run a business and do cool things in the business and develop new tools and then just go out and pretend I'm young and 
<laughs> chasing a 12 year old around that, that fills up my time. That's I, it. I would say that's at least two full-time jobs. That It does feel like two full-time jobs, but they're both pretty good. Yep. Not a not a bad couple of gigs to have, right? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Hey, folks. This has been Julie Littlechild with Absolute Engagement. She, uh, I, I think, has really passed on some really valuable information to help us uh, build better practices uh, around client engagement. I hope you'll connect with Julie. Uh, her website uh, is at absoluteengagement.com. Super easy to connect with them. They'll do a great job of getting your your practice pivoted into this. It, richer client engagement mode. So thank you very much, Julie. Uh, you've been thank a great you. guest. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.